<coughs> again. Uh, I was down for I was down on the roster to uh, lead the, the worship this morning, uh, and then uh, a week or two ago, Stu rang up and said, <coughs> "I'm going to be away this coming weekend. You wouldn't be able to preach as well." So, uh, and having been out of ministry for a year or so, I can never resist. So, um, but I would like to bring you um, something I've learned through my study of the early Maori converts to Christianity and particularly of um, a man who's become a hero of mine and his name is Taifunga. And I want uh, that name to be something that the New Zealand church uh, knows and to celebrate his uh, wonderful faith in Christ. Taifunga is his name. It's spelled T-A-I, that's Tai. Can you say Tai? Because part of this is getting your your, your tongue around things. I'm not the, the easiest person to get my tongue around unfamiliar sounds, but it's Thai, and then it's W-H-A-N-G-A, Thai Funga. And the N-G-A sound, it's like a, when you say na, na, you're using the tip of your tongue. If you go say N-A, na, you're saying na with the tip of your tongue, aren't you? But when you say N-G-A, you, you're saying the same sound, but you're using not the tip of your tongue, but your back of your tongue. Nga. Nga. So it's just making sure your tongue, so it's, it's tai fang nga. So here we go. Let's, let's say it all together. Tai fang nga. Now, you, I might be you know, teaching grandmothers sucking eggs. That's what my mother always says to me. And I say, you're not my grandmother. <laughs> You'll do as you're told. No. Um, but Taifunga, uh, he was, um, he is, a, as I say, a hero of the faith. He came from Kaikoi in the far north, and uh, he was baptised in 1830, and he took the name of Rawiri, which is the name David. Uh, so he's Rawiri Taifunga. And his baptism in, 18, in February 1830 sparked uh, what I would call the Maori conversion, which over the next 20 years uh, led to uh, the conversion of 90 to 95% of, of Maori, some 70 to 80,000, depending on how he judged the uh, population. So a wonderful move of God here uh, in the early days of the formation of the modern uh, New Zealand as we know it. And studying his life has shown me particularly the importance of forming and having a strong Christian identity. Uh, we know that Christians believe things. Um, and we know that Christians behave in a certain way, do things. But I don't know if we talk as much about what it means to have an uh, an identity that is Christian. What does it mean to belong uh, to Christ? What does it mean to belong to the church? Well, Taifunga knew that the importance of what it meant to belong to Christ. Uh, he had, uh, I want to tell you, uh, there's two occasions where we know what text he used and preached on. And on one of those occasions, as uh, the story I want to tell. He preached on the text we had, 1 Corinthians 4.10. We are fools for Christ. 
uh, Taifunga understood that his identity, having come, come to faith in Christ, was now not one that's given to him by the world or his past, but a new identity that has been formed in Christ. In the world's eyes, as the Apostle Paul said, a fool, the refuge of the world, why is he thrown it all away for this foolishness? But Taifanga, of course, did, and we don't see that as foolish at all. We understand the riches that God has lavished on us through our Lord Jesus. And we're happy to be fools for Christ. It's our identity. Well, this became, as I say, he used one of these, he, on two occasions we know he preached on this. We know other Maori preached onto it. We know it was a, it, and I think it's because of Taifanga, other Maori saw this as an important marker of who they were now that they'd become Christians. Who were they? Because, of course, you know, their whakapapa said they were this, but actually they saw that their real identity was that they were fools for Christ. Uh, in 1831, which is just a couple, of, a year or so after he was baptised, uh, the missionaries made their first visit to Rotorua. So they were up in the north in the Bay of Islands, uh, but they had an opportunity to for the first time to make their way inland to Lake Rotorua and to Makoya Island, which is, if you've been to Rotorua, it's the little island in the middle. It used to be a fortified uh, pa. And um, this, for the missionaries, uh, uh, Taifunga went with them. For the missionaries, it was their first visit, but for Taifunga, he had been there before. He had been there as one of uh, Honi Hika's warriors. Uh, in 1823 so what's that eight years or so before uh, he had gone with Honehika see Taifunga was uh, at the age he made his vi visit to um, uh, Rotorua he was probably aged about 40 um, when he uh, was going with Honehika he was really at the height of his powers as a, a warrior and he was celebrating he was a man of renown for his bravery He'd even gone to uh, Sydney and got himself a double-barrel shotgun, you see. Um, that's not because he felt it was a more effective weapon. It was a weapon of status. To have and possess and, and use that weapon uh, showed uh, who you were. And he had gone with Honehika to uh, Rotorua in 1823. And there in the battle, he had captured for himself a slave wife uh, her, her name, they came to live with, at, at, uh, with the missionaries at Paihia, and the missionaries called his wife uh, Marta. There were two women who had come and lived with them at the station that time. One they called uh, Mari, and the other they called Marta, Mary and Martha, you see, Marta. Um, when, when he captured his wife, he did so having killed her husband. He then proceeded in front of her to eat her two children. That's traditional marriage for you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a world we don't understand very well at all. The, inf the information for that probably actually came from Marta herself. She also became a Christian and was baptised 
a little bit, um, a, a eight or nine months later from uh, Taifunga. When she first came to Pai here, the missionaries complained that she was an angry, grumpy woman. You shouldn't be complaining about people being angry and grumpy. You don't know what they've had to go through uh, in their lives. But also, Martha was a wonderful testimony to the grace of God. So this was Taifunga's second visit to Makoya Island, and they were being welcomed. And they'd just discovered who Taifunga was. And... Martha's father was present on that island, extending their welcome to the missionaries and to Taifunga. So you can imagine it was, a, it was something of some moment that uh, the missionaries recorded as Taifunga rose uh, to his feet to speak in response to their welcome. How had he come? Had he come as a, a Ngāpui war hero? Had he come as a friend of the missionaries who bring great wealth with them and influence? Well, he got up and he said, Are we the good and you the bad? Or are you the good and we the bad? He said, No. We are fools for Christ, and you are the brave. He's referring to the translation of 1 Corinthians 4, uh, which had been translated just the year before, but obviously something that had laid heavily on his heart when he understood what it meant to his new identity in Christ. What does that mean for former enemies? Well, the game has changed now, isn't it? It's not the same narrative. He is now a fool for Christ. Uh, a person without status. That's the, how it would have been heard. And they are the, the hunga kaha. Kaha, we think, is strong strength, but also courage, bravery. So that was the translation of 1 Corinthians 10, you see. And he said, we have come as fools for Christ. And you are the brave. You see, uh, Taifunga, had, he had strong beliefs. You know, he, he would have memorized four, the four missionary catechisms. Uh, so he's probably got a, a better theological education than, than most of us. Uh, and, and he knew how to, to act and behave as a Christian. He kept the Sabbath, uh, regular Christian karakia and such like. But what was his identity? Who was he? He was a fool for Christ. Well, there's two things I'd like to say about that and apply to ourselves. <clears throat> Firstly, our, just the obvious thing, our Christian identity is founded in Christ. There are many narratives that we carry with us, expectations from others, the way our society says you should behave and act. But when we uh, 
come to faith, those are all overturned and are overtaken by a larger narrative. The larger narrative of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And that is where our true belonging lies. That's where our true identity lies. When God in Christ reaches down, places his hand on us and says, Child, you are mine. We can have a, a Christian upbringing and with that comes a family identity, coming along to church and such like. But it's not until, as Taifung had done, appropriated for ourselves that faith, that identity, so that we can stand apart from our family, maybe moved cities or such like, but we're able to say, I'm a fool for Christ. It's that point when we've grown into true maturity of faith. It's difficult when you are between two identities. And I found that growing up in a Christian home. Um, my friends down at the local park, we had expectations of how we would behave and I'd want to fit in. But then when I'd go along to Sunday school and, to, and such like, um, I'd behave a different way. And there was a clash. For time there, I thought, well, I'm a Christian presence amongst my friends. But actually, it was God's conviction in my heart to say, you know, it's that searching of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? To say, no, you're just conforming to their identity, their way, their narrative. And I had to choose. And I'm sure that's been the experience of many of you, of forming this identity. Maybe you have been caught between two stools and you, you, you live like two lives in different places. Well, like Taifung, I encourage you to adopt this identity of being a fool for Christ. You belong to Christ. And in the world's eyes, you're a fool. And that's my second point that I'd like to say. Christian identity is foolishness to the world. I suppose if, you know, if they want to challenge your beliefs, they're going to debate um, those ideas uh, our Christian practices they don't mind if we just do it behind closed doors if we do it out in the public sphere they'll ban it that's a, what can happen not so much in New Zealand but particularly over other countries but what about our identity how is our identity attacked well I suggest that our identity is attacked maybe through physical persecution M many Christians face that of course but often it's by ridicule. If you want to attack someone's identity, you ridicule them. It's important why, however different other people's identities are, we must respect, speak respectfully of other people because otherwise we're really attacking them, not loving them. And it's the same for us as we stand for Christ. There will be those who want to ridicule us uh, making that first step of, of identifying a Christian to, to my friends and such like, there were those who wanted to ridicule. Actually, most respected uh, my, my convictions. They, in some ways, I think they even admired that I was prepared to stand for my convictions. So I mean, I'm not trying to say it was a difficult thing for, uh, for me at all, and, or for any of us, that many respect us. But there will be ridicule. For Māori in particular at this time, not many were persecuted. 
Some were. Some died for their faith. Others were severely beaten. But mostly the greatest barrier to Maori becoming Christians in those early years was the fear of people laughing at them, of ridicule. And it's what uh, Taifunga warned the Rotorua Maori as he got up and, 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 and talked about the gospel with them. Uh, he said, you must also be prepared to endure the ridicule. It didn't just come from Maori. The sailors, the traders, the settlers, they all were ridiculed. I shouldn't say all. There were many coming from that quarter also that ridiculed. There were other settlers who were perfectly respectable who actually had a strong Christian identity themselves. Uh, and part of the problem of the sailors and such like is that they also had a strong identity. It's just that their practice and their beliefs were t- totally opposed to the gospel. Uh, and they would ridicule Maori for keeping a Sabbath for instance. Told them that the missionaries get paid um, five pounds for every convert they get. I think it was five pounds, something like that. They weren't really, Māori weren't really persecuted, but they were ridiculed. And Taifunga reminded Rotorua when they come to faith, because they, they had invited the missionaries there with the idea of setting up a mission station and for their people to be taught the faith. Well, we know that too, um, that the world ridicules faith. It ridicules goodness. It ridicules purity. And we need to be also prepared to stand and be ridiculed for those things. Like Taifunga, we need to be a fool for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that uh, although the things of this world we count as loss, we know that we have gained so much more in being reconciled to you, our creator and our redeemer through our Lord Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit you have poured your love into our hearts to overflowing. Lord, that our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. We know that we are truly in Christ, your children. And Lord, we pray that you would form in us that identity that we can stand for Christ in this dark world and that we would endure the ridicule that comes our way because of that faith, knowing that there's such a glory to await. Lord, give us the strength we need uh, when um, when we start living by other narratives, when we start fearing the thoughts of others. Lord, give us the strength we need to make your story our story, to have your narrative capture our lives and our our destiny and your approval, the only one we seek. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.